0: On this episode of Inside Music Cast, we welcome back John Harrington to discuss his new album, Adult Entertainment, that will be released tomorrow, June 14th. This is John's first studio release since Time on My Hands, which was released back in 2012. Since then, John has been busy touring with Steely Dan, Madeline Peyrou, completing his book of arrangements and tablature for guitar, as well as an instructional video. John has also provided us with a few of his limited edition autographed CDs of his brand new album, Adult Entertainment, that we'll be giving away today. So during today's interview, we'll feature three songs from his new album. Take note of the song titles and send them to Rick at insidemusiccast.com. That's Rick R I C K at insidemusiccast.com for your chance to win one of these CDs. And be sure to include your name and shipping address. Entry deadline is Monday, June 20th. And now, Inside Music Cast is pleased to welcome John Harrington. Hey, John, welcome back to the show.
1: My pleasure. Good well, to be here.
0: Eddie and I were just talking about this. It's been, you know, four years since we've last had you on the show, and sure. it's I can't believe it's wow. been that long. Oh, so, right. No, know. I
1: can't believe it's been that long either.
0: <laughs> well, obviously you've been, you know, busy with your steady gig with Steely Dan, and, of course, we're going to chat about your brand-new solo album called Adult Entertainment, which is due out soon. But, uh, but to catch up with you, what other projects have uh, kept you busy since we last had you on the show?
1: Well, mostly... I've been busy with uh, three or four or five things. Uh, the Steely Dance stuff keeps me pretty busy because they yeah. have been uh, picking up the touring pace in the last many years. Absolutely, and, uh,
2: yeah.
1: I think this might be our fourth summer in a row or something like that. I'm wow. not completely sure about that. But when I first started working with them, we were working uh, about once every three years. So... I was scrambling for work in the yeah. uh, in the downtime, you know. Right, right. But uh, and I had some some, you know, I, I did enjoy some fun opportunities then. But uh, but basically, they, you know, they they're uh, pretty much touring every year uh, lately, so uh, that's been been a great thing. And uh, so I'm only left with uh, you know the other months of the year to, to sort of fill in the gaps. Yeah. And mostly. I've been doing that with uh, quite a lot of traveling with Madeline Peru.
0: Right, that's right. Uh, yeah. The
1: uh, the uh, great singer I've uh, mm-hmm. worked with for about 10 years now, I mm-hmm, think. Yeah. And uh, lately, the last couple of years, it's been mostly a trio that we've worked with with Madeline, just Barack Morey on bass and, and me on guitar and Madeline singing. So And she's played some guitar and some little ukulele kind of thing.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, so luckily... Um, you know, both of those things uh, add up to quite a bit of travel for me. It probably averages yeah. almost six months a year, which is
2: a lot. Wow. That's, uh, that's but a thankfully
1: lot of... it's not all at a clip, you know, it's, it's all spread out a little bit. Right.
2: Um,
1: and the other thing, uh, somehow in the cracks, I've been I've been managing to also work on the, this new record that uh, we finally have yeah. uh, I mean, ready for release. It's been in pre-release for about a month now, and... Uh, so uh tomorrow I think it's the official release date so Absolutely, uh,
2: yeah.
1: i'm very excited about that and um otherwise the 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 only other things i've been working on are um i I did my first uh book of guitar arrangements it's a, it was sort of a back burner project for me for about thirty years or something
2: wow, when yeah. i uh
1: <laughs> when I first started playing uh learning how to play uh jazz guitar a bit with a yeah. great teacher named Harry Leahy. Uh-huh. Um he was sort of a master. He had studied with Johnny Smith and Dennis Sandoli and he was a master at the chord melody style of, you know, sort of jazz guitar playing you know, yep. where you can play a whole song and accompany yourself uh, all by yourself, basically, just a, right. a solo arrangement where there's melody and chords. I kind of thing piano players can do quite easily, but, but guitar playing, uh, because of because of just the limitations of the instrument and the design, it's uh it's a little tougher to do, yeah. and when I first discovered it, I fell in love with it, and uh, I just really just, you know, I would write arrangements like crazy, and these, this book uh, that I was able to release in 2015, I think um, it was, um, called Arrangements for Guitar, is 18 of the best ones that I could come up with over the years, and hmm. I did a little editing and improving, and it's it's written out in tablature and regular guitar regular notation and uh it's a bit challenging uh some of the f- uh the, f- the first few pieces are are sort of more manageable and it gets very challenging by the end but uh it's a fabulous uh, style on the guitar and it's it I always wanted to get that kind of thing out there yeah. um, and I I never was able to do it because it you know it there's a lot of homework you got to do before you can release a book like that legally, sure. <laughs> because there's a lot of publishers and writers to pay if you're if you're working with jazz standard material.
2: Oh right, right. Stuff,
1: some of which is like you know as old as like 1925 or something. So yeah. you know it, it it took my assistant Susan about uh, three or four months to track down all the publishers and all the Jeez. the writers and to oh, find out gosh. where you know where we could get licenses mm. to print this stuff. So and we just re- we did it kind of old school, just released it in print only, not uh not in any kind of digital form. I see. And um it's it's been selling pretty well considering uh, you know, the the sort of it, it's a pretty narrow uh market I think for that genre, but it's uh you know, it feels really great to get it out and that was so that that took a bit of time to get together and that was one of the projects uh, I've been Working on it for a while, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm actually beginning to work on a volume two already. Because hmm, very it
2: was, cool,
1: it, it was uh, you know it, the response was pretty good. Um, the other thing I did, uh, and it was the first I believe in 2015 was was I did a my first uh, instructional video, and I'd been meaning to do one of those for many many years too, and just never found the right opportunity. But uh, the right opportunity did sort of fall in my lap um, via the company TrueFire, which Really, one of the—I think it's probably the biggest uh, online resource for guitar instruction, and it's uh, we have you know tons and tons of courses and huge global reach wow. and uh, a lot of great players working on the site, like Larry Carlton and Ron Ford are there, and wow. Andy Timmons is there. Well, just a big, uh, super long list of <laughs> great players. That's pretty good and, company. <laughs> uh, so it, was, it, it felt great to uh, be in that company, and then. To get a uh, my first sort of video uh, out there, and um, I'm beginning to work on another one. So, uh,
2: very cool. Those
1: are all sort of ongoing projects, and uh, thankfully, uh, there's lo- lots of variety in what I do. It never yeah. gets boring.
0: It doesn't but sound like it, yeah. Well, we we touched on Steely Dan, and I just got a couple of things I want to talk about here, uh, just before we jump dive into uh, the new album. But uh, you know, I think you've just started your your summer tour uh, here in the states with Steely, That's and right. uh, you know, this has been such a consistent period uh, for the band in terms of personnel. But what about the what about the set list this time out? I know you probably can't speak much to that, but the last time we spoke to you, you sort of indicated that you know Don and Walter. You know they're not very adventurous when it comes, you know, to swapping out tunes, you know, in and out of the set. So, will there be any surprises this time around, or will it be kind of what we've what we've been used to in the past few years?
1: Well, uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, it's it's still early, so it's it's tough to know exactly uh, where it's going to go. Um, but I, I think um, a couple of factors are are sort of involved in in uh, in what I think some people see as a little similarity from, you know, year to year of the set list. I think um, you know, the, there's so many tunes that sort of feel like they're sort of must do's, you know, like they 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 have to be on the list in order for the, uh, you yeah. know, the sort of, the, the general Steely Dan fan to sort of go away happy.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I think a lot of those sort of, there's there's quite a number of those if you yeah. start thinking about it. Yeah. And, uh, and And for my money, like Donald and Walter leave off a few, like pretty frequently leave off tunes that I just think should be in that category that really are must-plays, mm-hmm,
2: you know, and, yeah. I, and
1: I I kind of, you know, I, I worry that uh, maybe we're going to disappoint somebody. But but the problem is there just isn't enough room in a set list in uh, any given single night to, to do all those must-do tunes and also... <laughs> have a lot of room for variety. They're, That's true. There are usually just maybe four or five tunes that get to be swapped out, you know, per night. So uh, even though we probably know something like 75 tunes, like, over the years, because this band, as yeah. you say, this band's been together quite a while now. Right, right. And we, uh, you know, it doesn't take us long to get, get up to speed, like, in the beginning of a tour anymore. We, we used to do, like, a couple weeks of rehearsal, and now we, we can get it together in a couple days.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah.
1: So that's quite a shift but but you know it is because we've just been playing the main repertoire for many years now, and you know it it if there is a tune that we haven't visited for three or four years we're we're certainly going to look at it and sound check before we put it on the list but i I think it's it's mostly a question of the limited uh number of songs that we get to do in 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 a given night, and then the fact that like you know because not everybody's a sort of hardcore Steely Dan who comes to several shows, a tour, and comes every year, like I think quite a lot of our, uh, I mean, this, the name Steely Dan is a, it's still a, apparently a, a pretty huge draw, Yeah. and uh, I don't think that it's mostly repeat customers, I think a lot of new people who, you know, especially because we've been out there every year now, some people who, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who've missed it, like, in the past years, saying, oh, well, they're still working, it must, be, it must be happening, let's let's go check it out. So I don't think it's all that many repeat customers, I don't really know that, but that's my guess about it. So, you know, it's sort of a, it's a built-in sort of problem, and, uh, and the other thing, there's one other factor that I think influences the set list's kind of regularity, and that is, yeah. um, you know, Donald Walter, they do have pretty strong feelings about what their, what their great, what their strongest material is, and, they, they tend to shy away from the early stuff. They're they're mm-hmm. bigger fans in general, although, you know, there are exceptions, but they're bigger fans in general of their later work. So most of the set lists tend to, you know, feature Asia and, and sure. a little bit of gaucho, but quite a lot of Asia and uh, quite a lot of Royal Scam. Right, right. You know, so it's, uh, I think they... Uh, and you know, they they are such jazz fans and they've they clearly shifted the whole live focus of the band, uh, towards that interest of theirs. You know, they got we've got a lot of horned solos and a lot of horn you know, a lot of stretching out that happens on this gig that really never happened on the records. It's you know, sure. quite different. So I really do think their uh, their orientation on this is is just a little different from a hardcore fan you know of the record right sure and, and it's kind of ironic for me because I am kind of a hardcore fan <laughs> of records. I love the record and I would love to do like you know I'd love to sort of have a night where we we played a bunch of stuff and then sent the horn players for a little break and and focused on early material that didn't yeah. have any horns and yeah, that's true. smaller group context and and even get Walter to play the bass or something—that would be cool. You know? yeah, <laughs> so, but you know, that's probably not going to happen. You know, these,
2: yeah.
1: they basically—we basically have a, a way of working, and I think it's been successful. And yeah. you know, it's not broken.
0: No, no. no. <laughs> Nobody's trying to fix it. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to catch you guys when
3: you're here. So. Yeah. So John has has your role with the band changed at all? I mean, we me and Rick uh know that at one time you were the MD, but uh, are you sharing some of those duties with Michael uh, Lennart?
1: Well, you know, the MD title was was a was a very nice sort of nod of appreciation, I think,
2: for okay.
1: for uh my Caring about the material and mm-hmm. my my having studied it hard, and you know when when Donald would forget a chord or something he'd say, "Hey John, what's this chord?" you know and so i I'd, I'd, I'd tell him and mm-hmm. you know, and uh <laughs> but you know there really was never a, a need for a musical director, and yeah. in fact, Donald and Walter are the clear yeah you know <laughs> musical architects of the yeah. whole thing and and they are they are definitely the musical directors, yeah, okay. basically you know um they still look to me when you know if they're going to be late for a sound check or something because their plane is delayed you know,
2: yeah
1: I'll get a call from some i mean i'll get a little i'll get a message from a from one of the one of the crew that says, "Okay, you know Don Walter wants you to run this and run that you know so basically I'll run sound check, which really involves almost nothing at all when you're playing with a band of musicians of this caliber, sure. there really is no music directing that you have yeah. to do i mean it, it just isn't. Michael does some. Uh, he kind of cleans up the horn section, and when Donald wants to add some horn parts, yeah. Donald and he will sort of collaborate sometimes. And you know, Donald has some ideas, and Michael will sort of make sure that it works well with the with the instruments because he, you know, he's an insider. He knows that that whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, when there's a new tune that we need that we want to try. He'll ask, he'll ask me to write a rhythm chart or something like that. You know, but it's, but it really isn't a musical director job yeah, at right. all. Yeah. Uh, you know that they're really the musical directors, and that's you know I don't have I don't have any real influence that way. I I get asked to help sometimes, and I'm happy to do it. But mm-hmm. That's about it.
0: So you mean uh, Don Don and Walt? They don't they don't uh, travel on the tour bus with you guys.
1: No, no, they, uh. they do. Uh, they do the. Uh, I think they charter a G four or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah, they they, uh, they travel in style. You that's not fair. <laughs> and They get there faster. <laughs> <laughs> but hey. I I I, uh, I love the, the tour bus. We're uh, we're on the soul bus, and it's. There uh, you go. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, <laughs> it's great music. Yeah. There's a little red little little red wine flowing. <laughs> sometimes, there you go. It's just uh, a good bunch of people. So uh, yeah, you know, That's the great thing. I mean. Over the years, they've they've basically settled on personnel that not only uh, are all top-notch musicians; there are no weak links in this chain. Yeah. But they're also they're also people that you know you can enjoy being with day in day out. You know, on these uh, yeah. these long trips, yeah. and that's kind of important, as you might imagine. <laughs> sure, of course. Yeah. you got you guys know that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's talk about something that's uh, that's important to you, and that's that's your new album project, "Adult Entertainment." And uh, you know, out of curiosity, uh, which came first, the album title or the songs? <laughs> and I, I ask because uh, I I wondered. You no, know, if...
1: that's a good good question. Actually, I'm not sure I can answer it, but uh, I'll, well, try. I'll, I'll try. I'll well, try to remember.
0: I ask because I, I wondered if maybe you know you had the album title in mind with the idea of creating songs that that fit sort of an overall theme.
1: Well, I, I think. Sort of yes and no. I mean, um, I know that when we this, this record came out, uh, very, sort of arrived very organically. Uh, we had been playing a lot of shows after the last record, "Time on My Hands," was released.
2: Yeah,
1: um, we had booked a lot of shows to promote that, and we were having fun uh, with with a lot of live shows and in, and kind of figuring out what what was working with the audience and and uh, as a result. Um, I think because we were plugged into that live scene and and kind of it was fresh in our minds, Dennis, the bass player, and I uh, just get, we got together shortly after uh, a bunch of those shows, and uh, we got together once and because he had a song idea, and so we we got together and figured out something, and within a few days we had a we had a song, and uh, and then we we would book another session a week or two later, and we do that and this just kind of kept happening, and I wasn't thinking of doing a record at all I w- We were just thinking well we have got this opportunity, it's the perfect vehicle to to write some of these funny tunes that and we were kind of realizing what was working as far as entertaining an audience goes, and yeah. for us, you know the kind of thing that was going over we uh, and and so we just we just kind of kept doing this, and every week or two, Dennis and I would get together, and somewhere all online. You know, we started accumulating songs, and I said, "Well, you know, there may be a record here." And I, I like I said, we weren't really even thinking about doing a record. Mm-hmm. It, it had felt like we just got got time on the hands out there. But but uh, before long, we had a dozen tunes, and I think somewhere in that period, the idea of the title surfaced because we did we did discover that uh, basically the writing process was about taking. A yeah, kind of a kind of uh, song and a kind of lyric writing that we had done a little bit on the on the last couple of records before that, like uh, "E Girl" was one of them. Another one was yeah. she reminded me of you on yep. on the Shine, yeah. Shine 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 record, and there are a couple of things that sort of you know there were these tunes by what 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 are termed unreliable narrators, you know, <laughs> uh, like kind of thing Randy Newman does all the time. Yeah. Tom Waits, yeah. is great, uh, you know. They're, uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're, it's, it seemed like when we focused on that, we were able to come up with, uh, you know, one idea after the next, and we're just having so much fun writing them, that the the record kind of wrote itself over uh, the course of a couple of months. And and I found our, we found ourselves with 10 or 11 songs, and I said, well, I think we're going to have to, like, make a record. So, <laughs> so
2: uh,
1: that that's really the way it came out. So somewhere in there that, 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 Adult Entertainment surfaced as a possible title. We weren't really sure. Yeah. You know, it's uh it's it uh we weren't sure it was gonna work. But we did but ultimately when we had all the songs we couldn't we couldn't find a better one. We really thought that it did sort of sum up yeah uh what what we were, you know, discovering was working live and and you know, I mean it's 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 definitely uh an admission of our age, and uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> a lot of the songs you know, are touching on on that that <laughs> subject as well. But but you know, it, we we are trying to make it funny, and we were uh, enjoying
3: trying to make it. <laughs> well, it's for, funny, to, you know, you, know, you know, for
1: people, you know, and, well. and and also try to keep the songs, you know, strong as songs, and. Uh, and I was trying to have fun with the guitars. Although right. it wasn't the whole record wasn't built around the guitar soloing like right. um, on my hands sort of was. I mean, mm-hmm. I really was on time on my hands. I really had the intention of presenting the guitar soloing as a particularly central thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I I was glad I did that, but it was a lot of work, and it was it was sort of an unnatural way to write. I I, I, I like the way it came out, but yeah. But this on this record we we just. We didn't have an agenda like that, and and we just sort of did our natural thing uh, of <laughs> focusing on the songs, I guess, first, and then and then just having fun with the lyrics, and uh, and so uh, you know I think that because not, not every tune, but most of them uh, are sort of connected that way lyrically. I think that's what sort of makes the record hang together yeah. for me. Sure. And uh, and the title is 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 trying to. Put that, you know, front and center.
3: Yeah. Well, it's funny how you said that. You know, once you get a certain age, really, you don't give a rip as to what you say here or, or what you write about. You know, <laughs> you just let it flow. You know, it, this seemed like a pretty, a uh, fun. Well, you know, there are advantages <laughs> to aging.
1: Isn't yeah,
3: it is. Sure. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> and
1: you know, I mean, it just, it, uh-huh. it just feels sort of. I, I do hear stuff I like occasionally, but like, <laughs> but I got to say, my, mostly I just don't. I don't feel very responsive when. When it comes to a lot of pop music, you know? yeah, I know. Uh, and it, and it's and there's so much of it, and so, you know, there's there's great stuff I'm sure being made all over the place. And but it's really it's really tough to sort of find because you know everything is different about mm-hmm. the way it gets it gets out there. I mean, I mean, it was so simple when I was a kid. You know, I just there was only one place to go, and it was FM radio right. in New York City. It was like, and it was beautiful, and you know. We were at the mercy of the choices of the radio programmers but but thankfully they were able to make their own choices and uh and they made good ones yeah so we we had uh, it was kind of an amazing time and really quite simply we didn't have to go searching around and I know it was all waiting there. weeding through waiting, waiting and weeding through all sorts of uh options like that because right. you was know, so much product
3: out there. Oh, I know, man. it's yeah. oversaturation. you know.
1: Really, um, really tough, you know. So, it is. It will, well, you know, I, I, I guess I just sort of, I, my ears perk up if I hear something that I like, but but mostly I just trust that if it, if something's really happening, I'm going to hear about it, you know. Somebody's going to tell me about it, and so, uh, you know, I don't worry about it, you know, so, <laughs> you know, but, and I still make music with the same kind of value, I mean, this is just the, there's no other way to do it, I, I couldn't fake it, you know, I just got to make Music with the values that are natural to me, and and those are all a result of the stuff I grew up loving. You know,
2: so. no doubt.
1: So this record really reflects that. I think it's it's yeah. a bunch of different styles in some ways, but
2: oh yeah, it is.
1: But you can hear some Beatles, you can hear some Stones, you can hear some Junior Walker, you can hear some Motown, you can yeah. hear some
3: uh, hear some country man, definitely some country. You know, sort
1: of <laughs> <definitely some> country, <laughs> no, yeah. no doubt. And this kind of stuff, you know, used used to be sort of. You know, the radio when I was growing up was not that compartmentalized and that that uh, formulaic. You know, in those days, I mean, you could have a Rolling Stones record in the in the late '60s, which mm-hmm. where they do a country tune, they do a Motown cover, they do <laughs> some deep southern blues, you yeah, know, yeah, and then they do like some Mercy Beat pop of their own. You know, it was just and and nobody blinked. You know, it was cool. We just thought, oh, that's cool. Yeah, sure, yeah. You know? I mean, everybody just said yes yeah so um, you know i j i just let we, we just let ourselves do that I know
3: uh, yeah and, and, uh. Well, it was obvious that it was a fun album to, to, to create. And, uh, it really was. You know, was, some yeah. of the songs Probably are...
1: the most fun I've had making a record.
3: Some of the songs are, you're <laughs> a little laughing. It's like, hey, man, these are borderline party tunes. You know, tracks like Give Me Some Green, that's a, that's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's you know Doctor's thing, right? Orders, Mind Over Matter, you know, and just, you know, it brings me, and, and let's and speaking of mind, mind Over Matter, you know, you even wrote a, the first track. Um, you know, it's sort of based on the... On the on the Mark Twain infamous quote about aging, so maybe yes, it is. so yeah, you aging can aging is a
1: question of mind, over matter. Yeah,
3: explain that a little if, bit. If, as I don't, the,
1: if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it just sounded like well, when we saw that, we said, "Oh, there's a song in there." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he didn't write one, but uh, we're uh, happy to. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, the new album contains your your core band of, of Dennis Espantman and uh, on bass, and Frank Pagano on drums, and that's right. you know they've been with you for quite yeah, some time.
1: Yeah, they've been working almost. Probably maybe thirty years or so together yeah. we worked, did our first trio gig in a Staten Island bar, I think probably Jeez. around uh, wow. somewhere in the late eighties
3: you know? <laughs> well obviously your your chemistry is great over the, all the years, but tell us of their involvement on on this album did this change anything uh, in working with you know in the past albums was this a little different was it loose uh, were the were the fence the boundaries a little lower and just a little more freedom? How did this one change a little bit from the other ones
2: well.
1: Um, I guess the biggest difference was that uh it really felt like uh, a co uh effort with with Dennis um because Dennis and I were the ones that came up with all the songs but one there's okay. one song that that was an, a much older song of mine that we thought might fit with the collection but uh but all the new tunes were uh co-writes with Dennis and uh you know the whole thing was conceived from from that collaboration, and, and so, I, and in the past, it's it's been a little less of that. I mean, uh, I guess it's probably because I wasn't thinking of making a record when we started getting together to write tunes. We were we were just doing it sort of for fun, and because uh, we had an, an idea or two. And uh, you know, uh, in the past, when I've made records, it, it has felt more like it's all my job to do It's a big, all the heavy lifting I had to do, you know, to pick out the songs Mm -hmm. and to write the songs if they weren't, if we didn't have enough or whatever. But, uh, you know, in this case, like I said, it just, it just sort of, that was the biggest difference. It was the easiest record I've ever made just because (laughs) we, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, I had even taken anything on. So Mm. it, it was all just sort of Arriving, and uh, I was just sort of smiling and saying, "Okay, this is cool <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know it just didn't feel hard to make it all i mean uh, uh on the other hand you know the, the the difficulty about making it on a budget you know which because you know i I'm, i don't have any uh, anybody paying for this. this is all coming out of my pocket, and uh because of that i I try to do a great job with very little money, and uh sure. I try to wear as many hats as I need to to get it done right you know uh on you know with the with the with minimal cost but yeah. you know, maximum bang for the buck yeah. and i think we do quite well at that but but it, that, that that is hard work because you know it means that i you know i'm my own engineer i right. uh, a lot of the stuff gets done at my studio uh you know w- w- without help basically i mean if yeah. i if i could if i had my druthers and i had uh you know a serious budget i would you know i would uh Sure. i 'd have like serious technical help the whole whole way through, and mm-hmm. you know it, i i do think we we could make even a stronger sounding record than we did make uh but you know we we try to sort of you know we, we try to do the best we can and uh and i i think we do quite well considering the money i, I think we do typically make records that sound like they could have cost about ten times as much. Which oh is yeah, pretty
0: good. Oh, I agree. So, it's a good sounding um, album. I
1: think they hold up. I mean, I, mostly I think yeah. that's that's the credit of uh, Sham Sundra. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: because he, uh, I mean, if I had if I had more of a budget, I would have hired him to do the tracking and all that. But you know, I, basically, I he's my he's my secret weapon, and he's the uh, he's the mixing engineer, and he he basically uh, has to do a lot of repair work <laughs> from yeah. the. From the sort of uh, yeah. less than ideal engineering choices I've made, and and from the problems that result from my having to be producer, guitar player, singer, uh, and also uh, yeah. sometimes engineer, you know, and all this stuff. So yeah. you
2: know,
1: if if we had uh, if we had several hundred thousand dollars, right? A exactly. Record, I'd definitely, uh, I'd just be the player and the yeah. producer, you know, and I'd find a way. But but you know, yeah. it, it is what it is, and it's, and you know. We've done this many times now, so we, we, you know, we we know how to how to get the most out of it. I think, and, yeah. and the one great thing about making a record this way, uh, and I think it really it does improve the the result immensely. And that is when you get time. Uh, I mean, when you're when you're working in your own studio, like I have in in like downtown New York, um, for the overdub phase. Uh, and also when you're busy on the road <laughs> and you have to interrupt all the work on the on mm-hmm. your own record you basically you have uh, this wonderful uh situation come up just by nat- by the nature of the whole scheduling where you you have fresh ears to hear this stuff mm-hmm. like all like for you know, many, many times, you know. In other words, if we if we hired people and we, and we had a great studio, we could try to make a record in a couple months working straight, we would never have the time off to get away from it and then come back with fresh years. And when you're working more slowly and over, you know, when I have to work when I'm not on the road, I have to, you know, I try to work when I'm home, um, when it gets interrupted, one of the you know blessings in disguise is that you come back to it and say oh my goodness you know that's not going to work you yeah. know but then you know what is going to work and you try something else and then you get a break from it again and you come back and so you, i mean that allows you to really really you know kind of mold it over time and and really like you know improve it i mean i mean if we had to do this and make all those choices in like 2 or 3 months of of straight work i, I don't think it'd be as good you know? yeah. there's yeah. something about like you know getting away from it coming back to it that's really really valuable sure. and and so when you're not on the clock and you're not you know spending time you know time and money to have everybody around all the time you you uh that's one of the hidden advantages so it's been and I think it really has yeah you know improved the work.
0: Well, hey, uh, John and Eddie, if you don't mind, let's take a break. And I want to listen to the uh, first track on the album, which is called Mind Over Matter. This is from our guest today, John Harrington, and his brand new album, Adult Entertainment, on Inside Music Cast.
4: It's time for a nip, don't you? I don't mind, it don't matter. It's just a question of
3: One thing that we, me and Rick really um, like about this project is uh, it's the feel and it's sort of underproduced but very deliberately underproduced and it's not like uh, like some of the tracks from Shine. Um, but it's almost as if you were going for a, a live album. I mean, let's face it, you know, you have a guitar, drums and bass and you're making so, sort of like the essence of – of of rock music in a way and you know I sort of appreciate that I think it's uh I was l- watching some of the videos that you had on online and uh and then oh, I right. then I listened to a couple of the tracks and I'm like wow they recorded this and it's it sounds so clean and it's just three guys in the room making great music and I think uh I think I appreciate that right about now because not only there's the big trend to go back to the almost the three piece band sound but uh, I don't know. Was that intentional in any way, or not really a component? Well,
1: it's interesting you say that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, um, I don't know anything about the trends right now. But what I've, what I've, uh, I mean, when we were working originally on this, the idea did cross my mind mm-hmm. to sort of like maybe do a live in the studio kind yeah. of record. You know, just in other yeah. words, make it kind of like a. Like a regular band gig but but record it well, and yeah right, and you know fix what we had to, but basically try to keep it stripped down and simple right but um I mean, I even toyed with that idea with time on my hands, but I don't know there's right. I don't know, there's something about the way I write and 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 my pleasure at at sort of dressing up the tracks you know with like background vocal parts yeah, right, or right. with extra little guitar parts, I mean. I uh, I can't resist trying it because we cause actually actually that's one of the most affordable things about this this way of recording because I have a pretty good setup in my own little studio. Right. I mean we can't we can't track drums there; it's not that kind of a place. Mm-hmm. But I'm very well set up to do tons of guitar overdubs. All my amps are there. All my guitars are there. I got a yeah. lot of sonic choices, and it's comfortable to work. You know, on my off the clock on my own time. You know, um, so. That's one of the great advantages, and I, I just can't resist trying stuff. And, yeah. and inevitably, it seems you know when we, when we've we've uh, tried to dress some of these tracks up, uh, we like it better. So, so we just we just kind of kept with it, you know. But I, you know, I, I think we we certainly, I mean, we get to the point sometimes where we add stuff and say, oh no, that's too much, and we and we pull back. You know, I, I always have this sort of the adage for me is this uh, like more is more until it's less and less is more until it's less. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's basically you <laughs> it's okay to try either one, you know. Sure. Try stripping it down, see yep. if it gets better. Yes. But at some point if it doesn't, then, you know, go the other way, yep. right. try adding more and, you know, if if more feels like more, then great. Sure. Uh, but if it if you go too far and it feels like less, then stop, you know. <laughs> so, but I I I I I do really love the idea that you know in a way music making with recording is you know ever since the beatles it became uh <laughs> it became more like painting you know it you did. can you can try stuff and then undo it and then redo it and then add and subtract you know it's it's it's, it's very very fluid and and that's kind of a fun thing it's it's so different from live you know it's a whole different yeah. sort of art in a way, mm-hmm. but uh, we like things about both, and I'd never want to give up either one you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so when it feels right to sort of try to present that live energy, we've tried to do that, but when it feels right to paint you know more, we've tried to do that you know?
0: yeah well, you know you've you've been a guest on our show you know, several times now. And and over the course of those interviews, we've discussed uh, some of your solo albums. And, you know, your music really has a foundation of of 60s rock with, you know, with a touch of blues for the Mm -hmm. most part. And and, I I, I, I look at that as as sort of your wheelhouse. And and I think where I'm going with this, you know, as ingrained as you are with Steely's music, um, do you feel like maybe any aspect of their music sometimes influences uh, some of of what you do? Because quite honestly... You know, we really don't hear that in your solo music. No, I, no, I don't really
1: hear it either. Uh, it's always surprised me when anybody's heard any of that, because mm-hmm. I really don't hear it. Um, what I did hear, uh, I mean, what I do hear is, um, on time on my hands, uh, because I, my whole idea there was, to, my whole intention was to try to get a kind of guitar soloing that I was doing um, with Steely Dan, mostly over the years, I mean, Dan gave me a vehicle to sort of develop my my personal sort of solo mm-hmm. style um, because it was a repeat opportunity with fantastic musicians, where the stakes are high, where you know the audiences are you know with, uh, there with high expectations, and you know the conditions are good. I've got technical help. We're getting paid well. It's a, conditions you know it's a fun gig great band you know great songs to play so uh, over the years the repeat opportunity of that was this sort of magic opportunity for me of, of uh being able to, to really begin to sort of refine and kind of craft uh, a you know my own personal approach to playing the guitar you know like yeah. playing solos on tunes and right. you know the pop music that I get to do. And so, my intention on time on my hands was to get that kind of playing that I had developed uh, on a record of my own with music of my own, you know, material of my own. Mm-hmm. So, the only way it sounds like it might sound like a little like Steely Dan is because of the guitar playing, you know, because I've been playing with Steely Dan for
2: 16 yeah. years now. So, <laughs> but
1: that's not that's not the essence of Steely Dan. That's more the essence of me, I think. So, right. so, but you know, my my writing uh, instincts have never been anything like Donald and Walters. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of their music, and I'm always in awe of of their their music writing and their lyric writing. I think both are, are top notch, and you know, it, it's. It's quite incredible uh, that whole body of work, yeah. and so much of it, and so much of it is so great. Um, but you know, I think I got formed way before I even heard Steely Dan, and they they weren't a real seminal influence on my on my my uh, you know musicality. Really, I mean, uh, it was earlier than that. I was listening to. Uh, I mean, I grew up listening to. Beach Boys and the Four Seasons and the Supremes and you know all that Motown music on pop radio mostly AM radio for Beach Boys all that beautiful stuff and then and then the Beatles who took over you know pop radio and and the Stones and then the whole British Invasion stuff with Hendrix and Cream and all and Zeppelin and the Who and that was that was where I uh, I mean that was when I was Becoming an adolescent, and when I was really listening intensely, and you know, I think there's there's something about that time which is uh, it, it's your I think it's people's most impressionable time, and when you get you know when you you sort of get formed that way, I think. And and you know, I went on to study jazz, and and it, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, many many years, and you know, I I, I stopped bending strings, bought <laughs> like yeah. big jazz jazz up guitar, you know, for about <laughs> ten years. I you know yeah. I really just dug into that but but um you know even even after all this time it it felt like a like an adopted tongue you know like a second language my uh my real natural instincts are uh for the music that i fell in love with as as a kid and as an adolescent and uh, that's all that that amazing pop music of uh you know the 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 sixties basically, yeah. yeah, so, and that was before I heard Steely Dan you know Steely Dan was right, probably didn't arrive till what seventy two or something like that yeah probably. 71,
0: 72, yeah
1: yeah, so, so uh, you know, by then I was already uh writing tunes and uh you know it, I was totally into uh yep. the stuff that had had formed me basically, you know, i'm I'm not sure I was very good, but <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know that's that was that stuff sticks somehow, and yep. um. Uh, so and I've, and I've never tried to. Uh, I, it's the kind of thing you can't really argue with. I mean, I, I think you you're sort of who you are, for better or for worse, you know. And uh, and I've tried to just sort of let it ha- let it be and tr- get okay with that. Right. I mean, um, people have said about the the new record that the the one tune that sounds a little like Stewie Dan to them is uh, is Handle Me with Care, the yeah. last track on the record. Right. Yeah. And last uh, nice track. But that's probably mostly because it's it's sort of. It's it, it is kind of sort of like a a quiet Junior Walker feel or something, like mm, that. Yeah, it's a bit of a soul yeah. groove, which which is you know sometimes what Steely Dan has used, probably more recently than right. in the old days. But also it, it it's because Michael Lenhart did this fabulous job arranging mm. the horns on that tune. I kind of I I sort of pointed him a, a certain direction, and uh, and he just. <laughs> He 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 just outdid himself. And, no, it you know, was amazing. It, but it, because it, and we, and we really featured the horns; they're really up front, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's beautiful arranging, and uh, and it's quite it's quite jazzy. And uh, so I think it sounds a little more like maybe newer Steely Dan, you know, in, in a way.
2: But, yeah, yeah. But
1: again, the the essence of it doesn't seem. Uh, you know, I I really don't feel like when I sit down and write, it's it's it wouldn't be very natural for for stuff to come up that uh, mm-hmm. uh, that, that really connects to the Steely Dan uh, work because right. uh, I think uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm coming from an earlier orientation sure you
0: know? yeah well I'll tell you what let's go ahead and stop uh, for a moment and let's play this track this is Handle Me With Care from our guest today John Harrington on Inside Music Cast let's let's talk about a few uh, tracks on the album and uh you know adult entertainment also contains you know a, a couple of tunes as we mentioned earlier that have kind of a country vibe and one of which is uh kind of going a volunteer uh, yeah. and there's almost sort of a there's kind of a, a tear in near beer honky tonk <laughs> vibe happening on this track yeah, and it really uh, it really is tell me tell me where that musical po- approach comes I know, from right
1: well i mean uh it, it reminds me of George Jones, really. I mean, it's it's. Uh, up, I mean, I'm yeah. a, I'm a fan of a lot of country music. I uh, I never that, that probably doesn't come out in a lot of the stuff that uh, that I've written, but uh, occasionally it does. She reminded me of you has a bit of a country thing about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that was a couple records back. Um, and, but in a way, and Broken and Blue was written uh, probably in around 1990 or 91, yeah. a long long time ago, an oh. old song, and that that sort of uh, Reminds me of a of a Neil Young tune, well Neil Young recording of a Don Gibson song. Don Gibson is another classic country star and uh, great writer. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, not sure why we why we thought of that, but we we had a title, and I, I think the title just led us to uh, to that feel because huh. uh, it, it really seemed like it would work with the lyric. I mean. Um, I think that's probably where that came from. I don't think we set out to write a country tune or anything like that. We just we had this idea for the for the song title, you know, Can I Get a Volunteer? And it was gonna be this sort of tongue in cheek kind of uh you know, this this guy who doesn't know he's a loser and uh <laughs> but he's sort of an unapologetic <laughs> loser and he's and he's you know, he's he's looking for love, you know. <laughs> so that just seemed like, you know, there's so many great tunes that are I mean, you know, the, that kind of tune just seemed like a, a, a sort of a raw, but uh, plaintive kind of simple country <laughs> sure. setting was just the right thing for that song. You know, so,
3: well,
1: for that lyric. So, the way we uh, see it, the way we see it, is, we went you know, with it, and yeah. it's, it's kind of fun. It's a little long, but I, but I, I like it. <laughs> well, that's
3: definitely a country, country name, man. It's a if you think about it, volunteers, Tennessee, Tennessee volunteers. Tennessee, Nashville—it's mm-hmm. pure country, man. It's got it all over the place. <laughs> well, you know, Jim
1: Beard played some fabulous country piano on it. <laughs> I didn't know he had it in him. <laughs> he, he said, "Oh yeah, I got this. I know this." You know? and I said, "Well, I don't know where he learned that because I never heard him do it before." But <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> know fantastic.
3: you know, we did notice that Jim Beard is all over this record, and uh, you know, playing some really he parts. He's sort of like
1: the fourth fourth member of yeah, the yeah.
3: And plenty of uh, grade B3, you know, and, and you know, make, make no mistakes, this guy's a, a monster talent. And, uh, sure you know, really. he's uh, very unassuming, but uh, we've seen him plenty out there with Steely. And, uh, and uh, tell us, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Jim uh, and what he brought to this record?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> we go back a long time. Yeah. I, I met him when he was at school at Indiana University. Yeah. Probably was 1981 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was living in Indy for about 3 or 4 years at the time uh and uh I was you know uh, looking for musical opportunities and found them galore in Indy itself but also uh met a lot of the great jazz players that were down in uh, yeah. in Bloomington.
2: Sure.
1: Um we had a band together for a while which had Jim in it, uh Chris Bode was playing trumpet.
0: Wow.
2: <laughs> Kenny
1: Aronoff was playing drums. Holy Bob cow. Hurst the bass player that did uh, that Tonight Show with Branford Marsalis when he got the gig uh, uh, was on bass and uh, <laughs> a bunch of other people. It was fantastic. I mean, like this was this was pretty uh, serious, serious. Uh, it was a pretty serious band, and uh, so you know I, I got down there a lot to play, and we had we had a ball. Uh, but you know when I first met Jim, uh, it was at a jam session in uh, Bloomington, and we hadn't even said hello and didn't know each other at all but but somehow so we we met um playing some tune I wish I could remember which tune it was he might remember but we were just you know improvising on a jazz tune a mm-hmm. jam session in bloomington and and like something happened something clicked and right away you know this was the beginning of uh, what we what we both sort of felt sure was was uh, destined to be a, a long friendship and musical collaboration yeah, so uh, you know it uh it began then and uh you know he's he's uh I've produced uh with him um you know maybe four or five of his own solo records he he co-produced uh, the the first one the instrumental record I made in 92 with me and he's he's been a guest on most of the records if not all the, I can't remember right now but uh and this new record um he basically uh brought his versatility which is uh because uh you know, he he gets presented on this record in a way that you know most people. I don't think he'd be recognized as oh yeah, that's Jim Beard. You know, it's it's not it's not yeah, his signature right. sort of personal thing as much as it it is his his sort of um, you know kind of amazing ability to be a chameleon <laughs> musically, <laughs> but but to, to deliver top notch performances in pretty much whatever style i need him to do i mean he plays uh on the first track on might ever matter he played this fantastic uh solo Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um which uh you know i was telling i I need something like uh you know get back you know like the vibe of get back you know what billy preston was playing on get back you know and so uh (laughs) there it is i mean it's 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 gorgeous and uh, and then he's uh you know, the the country piano on uh Can I get a volunteer which was so, so beautiful. There's there's quite a lot of B three all over the place. There's um there's piano in yeah, other spots. I mean, basically whatever we needed him to do. Um but you know, he, he was you know, he comes because we're old friends and because uh you know he has that kind of range, you know, it was it was easy and quick to get uh you know to get whatever we need i mean there's also that that crazy cinch thing that's going yeah. on and a uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, little big shot
2: <laughs> right oh yeah we <laughs> yeah, have
3: the, that's
1: crazy it, it's wild you know so yeah isn't it uh, but he uh, has all the gear and you know we share a studio so uh, that was helpful too was all the gear was right there you know we've got the we got the smoke synth the old moog synth we've exactly. got the whirly piano we got the Rhodes. we've got the b3 you know everything's there So, oh. so we're in good
4: shape
3: Oh, yeah, that little big shot uh, track, I mean, from the very beginning, just, uh, I, I really couldn't tell whether it was an ARP Odyssey or, or, or a Moog, but it's... It's uh, a Moog, yeah, yeah, it's a
1: mini Moog, I think.
3: It, it's just so classic, I mean, it adds so much color, you know, and uh, with the... Uh, it's a <laughs> 21, yeah. I know, it I, don't mean, know
1: what, I don't know what we were thinking of, but <laughs> just, when we heard it, or when I thought of it, and it, we tried it, it... Yeah, it just felt right. Um, but you know, it even brings a it went with
3: it. brings a little different groove. Also, with some neat processing, I think it was a very percussive
0: um, type of a,
3: yeah. of, a, of a track. Yeah, but that's a pretty fun one. Yeah,
0: that's very neat. Yeah. Hey, uh, one, another track that I really love is uh, the track called Blacklisted in, in Bougieville. <laughs> Bougieville. <laughs> yeah, there's, a,
1: there's a mouthful. I well, you know, right?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a song about, you know, someone who, I, I guess, the way I took it anyway, who lives he's living the high life at the expense of others, you know, like a con man or somebody involved in a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it's scheme. a Bernie
1: Madoff story, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: But uh, but he gets caught and he gets blacklisted, spends time in prison. So <laughs> where, where, right. where was the where was the? Tell me about the influence and what How right. did that, how it's did not that a one family
3: come member up? is it?
1: Well, <laughs> no, I really do think it was. Uh, I mean, it was it was the Bernie Madoff story. Okay. You know? I okay. mean uh, we don't mention him, but like that's really the, the kind of guy that you know. We, we just sort of thought we'd have some fun, like sort of imagining mm-hmm. the excess, you know, yeah. and just yeah. trying to take it over the top. There was another tune on, uh, I guess. I guess it was on time on my hands ain't, I ain't got you we right. we kind of yeah. did that with that tune where as the tune goes on, it just gets more and more outrageous <laughs> you know? so we were we were kind of in that mode and we were trying to one up ourselves that way you know and uh and so this one uh, you know he's a world traveler and he's you know he's a contemptible guy and uh you know but uh and, and you know the whole—I I wasn't sure the word bougieville was going to fly. <laughs> just, cause it was—it was kind of unfamiliar to me, like bougie. I mean, but but I, mm-hmm. everybody I asked, especially younger people, they yeah. all—they all got it. You know, so oh, I yeah. said, "Okay." I, and Dennis, Dennis had come up with it, I think. And I said, "Okay, well, <laughs>
2: <laughs> bougieville—we'll
1: right, we'll go with it." But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, uh, there's something fun about it, and and I I tried to. Uh, do my my own take on the uh, the Abbey Road kind of guitar uh, exchange thing at the end. You know, I mean, at, at the end of that record, remember the end of Abbey Road where they they've got yeah. three guitar solos, kind oh, of nice. uh, everybody's trading. You know, the three guitar players are trading at the end, and uh, that's that's kind of what I was trying to go for in that in that middle section there.
0: Yeah, another track that uh, that uh, I really enjoyed was Slaughtered by Love, and and you can really it's pretty obvious. You can really hear a nod to the Stones on this one. Oh yeah, even, that's, that's, even in your vocal uh, approach too. I mean, musically, yeah, but even in your vocal approach, uh, you had a little Mick in you on that one. But oh, really? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's that's. That, uh, thank you very much. That's that's very hard to do. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a uh, I'm a huge fan, and um, you know that that kind of uh, visceral sort of raw thing that that he's just he can't help but doing is just unbelievably great, and uh, yeah, it's not—it's not easy for me, but uh, yeah. but you know that was a fun tune, and uh, the, the the tune helps me kind of have fun singing it because uh, again, it was that was a, that was another uh, another one of our attempts to take a certain subject and uh, just push it to uh, its limits, just try to find more and more you know outrageous sure metaphors and <laughs> connections. And, you know, it's all—it's all—it was all sort of silly, kind of fun. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that one—that one is an obvious tribute to the Stones. But it, yeah, it's fun to play. And uh, yeah, I'm—I'm a, I'm a fan. You know, it sounds like yeah. the the burden. I suppose.
0: That's mostly- <laughs> hey, on the on the track, out on a limb, uh, I. I really enjoyed the vocal accents from your background vocalists on that one, and 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 oh, give credit yeah. <laughs> here is Gina Gold, Ellis Harrington, and, and Jenny Schaefer, and and tell me about Ellis Harrington. Is that a relation? Sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, she's my daughter. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. <laughs> those are those are all family actually. Uh, <laughs> okay. Jenny is Jenny is Dennis's uh, <laughs> wife, and uh, Gina is my girlfriend, and uh, Alice is my daughter. So. Uh, yes yeah, sure. the they, uh, they made these appearances we we didn't need professional singers in fact we we purposely avoided them we wanted we wanted um
2: yeah.
1: a kind of girly sound you know we wanted a young sort of uh you know sort of amateurish sort of group kind of gang but uh you know female and uh and kind of unsophisticated sounds. <laughs> so we had them right in uh, our backyard and we used them.
0: <laughs> well, this track, um, Out on a Limb, it's, it's really catchy. And, and uh, oh, I really, yeah. you know, like I mentioned, one of the cool things I like about it are, are these backing vocals. And yeah. uh, uh, let's go ahead and give that track a spin. This is Out on a Limb from our guest today, John Harrington, from his brand new album, Adult Entertainment, on Inside Music Cast.
3: Well, that that sort of leads us into the next uh, the song that we want to talk about really quickly. It's "Give Me Some Green," and uh, and this is about dreaming about money. And uh, <laughs> and you cut you cut straight to the chase in this one, man. And the lyrics and it's uh, it's a little fifties ditty. And and I'm curious, who did the low uh, voice scat on on this track? It's great. <laughs> that
1: that's Fred Owens.
2: Okay,
1: uh, I uh, I uh, I feel horrible that I uh, there's a typo on the uh, album cover and it, uh, because his name is Frederick B. Owens, mm-hmm. and a mistake was made, and it says Frederick Bowens.
0: I noticed uh, it, yeah. but it's, it's
1: <laughs> Owens is his last name. Oh, okay, okay. All Frank. Right. Frank and I know know Fred from Smokey Joe's Cafe. He was. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys know that that musical, but I did see it. it ran on Broadway for many years, and I played that show for quite a while <laughs> as a sub. Uh, and Frank was a regular on the on the in the pit band there. And uh it actually was an on stage band, it wasn't a pit band. they were the the band was kind of featured. Um, yeah. But the uh they had like I guess maybe four, maybe more, four or five uh you know, front people singing all the songs. And of course they needed a serious low voice for, you know, those those <laughs> coasters tunes, the Temptations tunes which had a you know, they all had you know, those those vocal groups of in the Motown era always had those like they had one guy who was like the serious big bottom voice, <laughs> and Fred—that was Fred's role—and he just he was fantastic at it. And he, uh, you know, it's beautiful. And he just he opens his mouth, and it's it's that whole that's that whole thing. It's so great. So he was the obvious choice because we we knew him and we knew he <laughs> had the great he had that great sound. And that's great. none of us could do that. And the demo, I, I was playing it on the demo. I was singing it on the demo, and it was just. Pathetically uh, weak you know, <laughs> compared to what Fred could do. So I'm glad we were able to get him. And uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a silly novelty tune, but but Fred uh, Fred was absolutely necessary.
0: Well, hey John the the album is a lot of fun and uh and uh we've uh, we, we know it's going to be coming out on June 14th and I'm assuming uh, that can be ordered uh, through your website is that right or and and maybe on Absolutely
1: Am- there's a store tab on my website it's okay. uh, johnharrington.com if you think in threes you get it right dot .com yeah. and uh yeah that's that's uh that's the easiest place to get it it will also uh be available shortly as a download on cd it probably already is as a download on cdbaby.com and it'll be up on iTunes it'll be on Amazon and uh probably eventually we'll get it to Spotify and up on Pandora but uh, probably not for a little while yep, we're going yeah. to hope to sell a few of these yeah guys. exactly <laughs> make some money back yeah
3: <laughs> well this is uh, definitely an album that continues to uh, you know expose your versatility and uh, we
0: encourage everybody to get your hands on this project It's uh, you're going to have some fun listening so well, the other thing too is John. We uh, we we talked to Susan, and uh, I don't know if you know about this, but we've got a Inside Music Cast has a radio station now called Inside Music Cast Radio.
1: I did hear that.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think we're going to be playing a few tracks from the album on that. Yep. So, oh, uh, well, good. I I I,
1: uh, I want to tune in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What What's the uh, What's can, the web address?
0: Well, that? you can just you can see it. You can hear it on our website. So, if you go to InsideMusicCast.com, dot com. Uh, you you can listen right there on the on the page and then uh, we've got apps too. Uh, there's an app available for the uh, iOS and Android devices. Great. So yeah, so check it out and uh, we'll have you on there. And somebody yeah, needs looking, to go put uh, out I that
1: fire. We're checking it out.
0: I know.
3: Yeah. We just uh, somebody has to go put out that fire. Those sirens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's bad here. Yeah,
1: this is New York City. This is uh, uh,
3: the soundtrack
0: of my life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, thanks, John. Thank yeah, you yeah, thanks, thanks so much. So much. Great to talk to you guys, and yeah, uh, I'll see you. I'll see you in Indy.
0: Yeah, we'll see you soon. All right, sounds all right. Good. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Special thanks to John Harrington for joining us on this episode of Inside MusicCast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Loretta Sassaman, Scott Sheriff, and Don Brightup, for their continued support and content development for Inside MusicCast. Inside MusicCast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside MusicCast. i so happy
4: to escort you at any to do all the home repair Happy to be handling you with care and a tender touch Happy to be snuggling up with you And I let you pick the movie too, but the collar and the leash are just too much No way, no how, not me, no